0: Beginning of Act Two. Cheers to Act Two and cheers to Two Years. Oh, yeah. Act
1: Two Years. Mm -hmm.
2: Two Years. Long session next year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're
3: learning. We're learning. Mm -hmm. We're learning. learning.
1: Mm Norwin. You wake up from that a bit uncomfortable dream, your own words in your mentor's voice ringing in your mind. Shake it off, pop on some tea swift instead, and. Bye. have a small breakfast, gather your pack, have your staff in one hand, pack on your back and looped between the up scraps and the actual boom, boom, backpack is Marjana. Because mm. you gotta get someone to get to work on that. <laughs> yeah. And Rafael's saddling up with some, some of the Kid, kid, the kiddos, because was it Tal and Susie you wanted to, to, to take out? Mm-hmm. Or who you take, yeah. yeah, so Tal and Susie, they're looking to head out for a bit. You say your goodbyes. Is there any <coughs> goodbyes you guys want to do or just see you in three days? Sort of thing. You good? Yeah.
0: I think I said what I need to say. All right. Come back safe. We'll see you soon. Yeah, that sounds good. Something on your mind? No, I just... I know, no. I'm always just made perhaps a little bit more apprehensive than I should be these days. So, I'm thinking I should probably go into this actually. So I'll put his pack down and he'll put his cloak up, stick his arms through the holes that he's going to make into his cloak, essentially, and then forge it into that cloak that I talked about, which I will show you a picture of the pattern. Basically, yeah, it's like that. Uh-huh. And so the hood itself can be undone, and then it has like, it's like a capelet, essentially. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And so Rachel has a better version. Stegen's mom it.
2: was a sweetheart and gave me that pattern.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's
3: yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah, but I will have two holes for the arms. And I'll take that sash that uh, I got from Forecast and tie that around my waist and kind of make fashion into a, like a makeshift like dress, essentially. Yeah. And then before he goes, he'll alter self and make his hair like about shoulder length and kind of auburn, um, and then you know pull it to the front essentially. And his features will become just a little bit. It still looks like Norwin in some ways, but it'll be more delicate. And his eyes will go um, cross-eyed. Yeah, go cross-eyed. We'll go more <laughs> hazel. Instead, and then he'll, uh, his ears will elongate, essentially, and then he'll put the pack back on. So, well, goodbye, Norwin, and goodbye to whoever you are. Yes. Sylvia. Sylvia. Obviously, feminine, more feminine voice. Travel safe. Thank you. You as well. Don't kill the kiddos. Nah, we'll be (laughs) fine. Just a walk. Sure. Just a walk, great walk.
1: As you walk toward the trees, you 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 hear Tal say to Susie, Has that guy been a girl the whole time?" And she's like, "Duh," <laughs> not knowing, but totally <laughs> acting like, "Duh." you just saw it now? As you chuckle, walk out the back mm-hmm. gate, put your hand on your favorite tree, and step through, emerging here. In a tree that you would be familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, For the sake of of time, we can say that you, in your disguise, um, you can go to a blacksmith Mm -hmm. here. There's magical shops, elves are intrinsically magical peoples, Mm -hmm. and as such, and they're no strangers of working with steel, though they do it relatively infrequently compared to dwarves and humans, Mm -hmm. and as such. but magical rings and, and whatnot are, are very not, uh, are, are, are quite common here, sort of, thing. As you step in, you have a brief con- conversation as Sylvia, mm-hmm. and um, ask them, can you, you don't do anything with, with this. And identify spell is performed, and uh, she will inform you, uh, this is Heartwood, this is mm-hmm. a very hard as metal, if not harder, by, can be worked by specialists. She's not one herself, but she could have this worked for you. Mm-hmm. Is uh, into what shape? A shield, naturally. Your goal, mm-hmm. You don't need to tell her, but your goal will ultimately be to get spell stitched, and you mm-hmm. very much doubt they're capable of that. If mm-hmm. they are, the Al's <laughs> a bastard. <laughs> Every city can do this. We talking about? out of bastard muckus! <laughs> <laughs> it's all been a long time. <laughs> yep. Um, so yes, they will work back into a shield It's not crafting a new magical item per se, mm-hmm. but it does... Heartwood also takes magical enchantment fairly easily. Mm-hmm. Usually you need things like gemstones or whatnot to really harness that to make the lattice work. Heartwood, it is said, it tends to... Adopt the needs of the wielder if they're worthy. At least that's what it said. You know that's why only one out of every few black mages. You definitely came to the right place. It is very mm-hmm. much an elven thing to do. Um, not that only elves can do it, but it is an, an elven thing thing to, to do typically. And uh, the capital of all of Elfheim mm-hmm. is a good place to go. So that initial part of your voyage is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've had several days to communicate back and forth with Morningstar is there Mm -hmm. a particular location that you would like to have met with her or would you leave that more up to to, to her I'd leave them more up to
0: them and Morningstar and the people of the Deledros I assume is there is Morningstar actually coming to the shade? No.
1: Did I just say Morningstar? You said Morningstar, yes. I'm meant to say Moonseeker. I'm sorry. I was very confused. I was <laughs> confused what you said, and I realized, oh, well, I'm yeah, one you like, confused. you're very confused. I'm uh, like, uh, that's odd. Right. I, I meant to say Moonseeker. Morningstar and those people are not here. Yeah, Moonseeker like, is, is here. You're sitting there <laughs> going, I'm Mr. everything. And I'm thinking, no, dude, what are you talking about? I, I didn't say that. Uh, Don't check the recording. <laughs> strike that from the record. <laughs> there you go. That <laughs> I'm Unmute. And everything. <laughs> um, yes, I'm sorry. Moonseeker. Um, we'll just say that she told you a, a, a place where you can just get a um, keep uh, uh, tea and crumpet oh, sort tea of and thing. Co- yeah, co- tea. Co- coffee and cr- coffee and cr- crumpets is actually mm-hmm. what the place is, is called <laughs> in beautiful um, Melvish <laughs> with sylvan script underneath it. Um, oh, the point. Coffee and crumpets. Mm-hmm. Indeed, as you walk up to Skies as you are, you do see your um, old instructor, your mentor, a Moon Seeker, not Morning Star, mm-hmm. despite what you said. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry, I get is... those confused. It's very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she is there, and she's sit sitting outside, um, despite the. The, the autumn chill that is definitely affecting here also um, she's sitting outside um, sipping on co- coffee that must be quite quite fresh. you see that the steam rising from from it. The sun is up, and here in this place there's hardly a more beautiful sight mm-hmm. than Shea Cardal in the dawn mm-hmm. She would not recognize you, so I will let actually. you. She might. Because Why is that?
0: Sylvia is the image of his mother. So okay. she might not remember, but she might.
1: There she sips her morning champagne, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Elves. Because <laughs> <Elves. laughs> we're sitting here yeah, in the water. <laughs> if, mm-hmm. She'll sip her coffee. And look up, and there is a, a recognition, but it's a sort of recognition that's like, I I should remember, but I don't. And she just takes a small sip and sets it down, not saying anything to you because no, mm-hmm. no, nothing's worse than being, hey, are you that dead dead girl I saw <laughs> that one time. So she does not say anything. Sorry to keep you waiting. She'll smile. Set of the wooden chairs, wooden small table, very much like those, um, small like metal wire chairs and table, kind Mm -hmm. of like what we have up front there, but all of (coughs) wood, um, grown together in in vines, very much a motif of this establishment. It's good to see you again in any face,
0: yes. I I thought it might be beneficial not to necessarily be traipsing about the place as I have ties to the uh, crown and the ceremony and uh, didn't want them to, I like, guess, a hubbub or anything
1: while I was here, so... I think that was probably a wise decision. Yeah. Though I'm always happy to see my old apprentice, I was not yet aware of. I am not yet aware of the intentions of your visit.
0: Well, as I said in my writings, I had some news that I wanted to share that didn't feel it didn't feel appropriate to share in writing, but I
1: wanted to share with you. Should we find a place even more private than this? You see, there's nobody at the t- tables around you. Most people have gone inside, also have a very hearty con- constitution per se, so they're walking past or staying inside. Um, you could probably have a conversation in hushed tones that people wouldn't bother paying attention to, but you're definitely not in a clearly secluded place. I'm not even sure what you plan on saying, so it's up, up to you what you say.
0: I guess it depends on the level of detail we get into, but I think for the initial run, I think it's fine. Well, there was, if you remember my frantic sending this a little while back about asking for a tuning fork. A while back. there We wound up not needing that, but we pulled some threads and were able to recover an glad. Okay. But in the process, we might have found the source of the reason that you and I have been brought together. Of the poison. So terrible. It was a, um... I'll say in silver, in case there's any us that don't necessarily know, the, um, heart of perhaps one of the first demons to escape from the abyss. I think. <laughs>
1: but... I'm just thinking of the random chat. Like, learn the lore. Aren't you paying attention? <laughs> but, sorry, sorry. I, know
0: I also just love like how ridiculous that sounds. Sitting down yeah. in a tea and crumbs and be like,
1: "Yes, the heart of the first demon that escaped the abyss. <laughs> it's
0: even strange, you know, like a I
1: dark find, reflection yeah. of the first fire giant, the son of <laughs> yeah. um, a nom created by a resourceless, You know, yeah, you know.
2: I see his mind never came back from the last time with the Undying Court." <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's those cross, cross, cross eyes. There's across, exactly. <laughs> she nods. That would be good to know the source of such things to stamp it out, if at all possible. Yes, we took it back to the gold
0: city, with Anaxoria f- afflicted quite badly with it. She was unable to be cured, and eventually we, through my coaxing and prodding, we destroyed it, and what was interesting about it is that I obviously took some vials so that I could study it, because as you know, I've been trying to find a cure for it ever since, like, other from purely magic, but the poison in my vials were gone. All the traces of it on my hazmat suit were gone. All the traces of it in the chest that the heart was kept, gone. I don't know what that means, necessarily. I'm hoping that it means that this is written from the world. But I don't entirely know. There were some that were afflicted by it, modeling like I had they still had the modeling. It could be cured, the way that mine was, or the way that I've cured it in the past. But its effects still lingered, at least. I don't know what that entirely means, but I'm hoping that it means that it was destroyed and perhaps that chapter is put behind, and that maybe we never have to deal with such a vile thing again.
1: She nods, sips her a coffee. Server comes over, asks if you'd like something. Coffee would be nice, thank you. Mm-hmm. Already has it. Most people order coffee. There's not a hundred types here. No frappuccino is in medieval land. Mm-hmm. Of course that that, that for you. Scoop uh, of? A scoop of cream? Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Okay, she has a little pot, like scooping like mm-hmm. half. Uh, um, whipped cream mm-hmm. on top shall go on I forgot to mention this and it may be important mm-hmm. there's a young girl seated with moon saber. Mm-hmm. she wears the usual veil over her, and you know it is a fair swarm. yeah of course um, I don't think anything you said you wouldn't say but, and Moonseeker does not acknowledge her or mm-hmm. anything, but she is seated at the table, not doing anything. You can, you kind of just see through, through the corner of your eye as she, her head kind of tilts and her veil kind of, you know, tilts a bit. You see her eyes are just very unfocused. Her mouth is sort of just hanging a little bit um, un- open. You're not entirely sure how all that works, but you have a sense that whatever you say here may very well be heard by the Undying Court itself anything you wouldn't have said I don't think anything you said would be the only one time, but just as are aware of that. She nods as you do to place your order, sips her coffee. That should be a great victory, shouldn't it? Yes.
0: I just cannot but feel a little apprehensive in case it does show up. I don't want to let my guard down with it. But... It does feel, in a small way,
1: like a major victory. Then why don't you look happy? And why are you wearing your mother's face? Well...
0: Ever since the, uh, meeting with the... I understand. There was... A lot. I had thought that my life was... 18 years. That was... 20 years compressed. And everything came flooding back all at once. And it was a lot to take in. It almost broke my mind in some ways. I've... I couldn't pass it all at once. And through my meditations, I've slowly been piecing it together. Memories came back. You don't remember much when you're very young, but I had 20 years with these people, with my mother and father. And I never really, it feels like I didn't have much of a (coughs) Opportunity to mourn because I didn't remember a lot, so putting a bow on this, hopefully, just feels like a—it's like a part of the grieving process. I think, so I'm happy in allowing myself to be a little sad. I
1: think that's very mature of you. Know. A place that I'd like to show you. Now that you've said that, here. When our time t- t- together perhaps is more coming to a, a close, but I am in no immediate rush. I'm not sure if you are.
0: Uh, a few things I might attend to in the city, but you are the number one priority
1: here. Yeah? you often been to
0: share, share, character? I think only once before, maybe twice.
1: Let's go for a walk. All right. She'll stand up. You're like, oh, can I get this to go? No. <laughs> <laughs> She'll just put, put down a cup, couple um, copper pieces. They will refuse her... Here and you see a um, symbol of the, uh, the the undying court, just sort of hanging in a an open window, much like how like a cross might be in a right. place if the pro- pro- if the proprietors are religious. And there's a party that's like, did she choose here because they give her free coffee? <laughs> but <laughs> she will um, extend her, her her hand, and the girl will take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she'll begin to walk. Say hi to the girl. As you are walking, and it looks like she's <clears throat> heading toward uh, first it's following the main roads closer to the heart of the city, then veering off a bit. There is she stops suddenly. And she cocks her, her head a bit as if listening for something. Your attention goes on high alert, but you don't hear it or see anything different. But you recognize this as oftentimes the de facto when somebody receives a sending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if that internet goes <laughs> out again now it's like a repeat thing that was mm-hmm. like everything going out um, she'll say to you No, the internet's being fucking dumb, which happens all the time. Mm-hmm. She will say to you after this pause and listening, she'll say, We need to go somewhere else right now.
0: Okay.
1: And she will bring the girl and we'll follow her. As she strides quite quick quickly on her long elven legs. Somewhere you don't Mm -hmm. know. You've not been here. Nope, I've been here often. Details are not important here per se, but it does appear that she is bringing you uh, more toward the heart of the city, where large buildings are, not to the main center where you have been before, Mm -hmm. where the uh, Castle Carn are, but away from that. Sort of an an, an, an annex separate entirely thing but designed similarly to where the Kersokarn is. You recognize symbols that you have seen before that is the sort of emblem of the Kormathir. She says to you now is the time to look like yourself. (laughs) The cape (laughs) changes as your face does as well. She says, stay here, and goes inside. You can't hear anything being said distinctly, but there are some Voices that bleed through if they're loud enough. Mm-hmm. And after about five minutes or so, um, she comes back out and says, You should come in. She'll come in, she'll bring you in. And you'll see in a meeting chamber. A number of standing individuals. Maybe a dozen or so of them. Mostly elven, but there is a gnomish fellow there, a halfling, even a human. And they are all just smack of that wizardly or mage sort of magical essence, unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. here. In the very center, of this space there is a table of sorts, a circular table set. And there's chairs around it, though no one's seated at this moment in time. And there is a figure standing by this table. On the center of which is a golden ring from your vantage point just walk this otherwise it's a very dark room and as you come in somebody else flick a finger and the door closes and they turn the finger locks. there's an immediate sense of uh, some comments are thrown back and forth about how this is of the utmost secrecy And um, Moonsieger says, Norn was disguised as the very queen of Seremonia herself during the meeting in the Faith States. He was in the very throne room facing the Nightwalker when it slew most of the delegates there, our own included. He was appointed by the previous king and queen before their unfortunate demise, and the current monarch has not only upheld the appointment, but
3: expanded
1: it there are few others she would trust more, save for the shield of the, the crown, or the voice herself. Shield of the crown is often an echelon term.
0: Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Um, another another voice and face that you do recognize in this otherwise gloomy area. Um, actually, if you could decrease the barbarian rights of this down to maybe half what it is, right? Right now, um, the voice Spooky of a lustral Dwala thank you, says, I will vouch for him as well. And out of impatience, perhaps, the eldest of amongst them, you can tell because this elf has white hair, long and braided gnarled staff. You've not seen this individual before, but when elves have uh, white hair, that's usually a sign that they are quite old because their hair is black or brown until they're in their several centuries past. He says, Enough. Shucks. they all go toward the table, the round table. No, Omish fellow says, How much does the boy know? seeker says, "Do you know anything of the joint efforts against the war host that have been enacted of recent times? You would not. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah." Like, no, we... <laughs> Sort of that slight hint that Eklund said to you, mm-hmm. but you were not in the room for at that time. I don't think now. As you huddle around the table, the mm-hmm. elven figure that you see. Oh, I'm surprised it even opened considering it's on my work network, which is not working now. Hey, there you go, mm-hmm. nice. There's this here quite differently dressed from the others he says if all the bickering is over holds up his hand like this device in there runes almost like pinpricks of starlight and as such fill this base and as you look into the golden ring with the runes around it and a glass face It sort of reminds you of the monocle that Luneth Dawnseeker wore when you met him. He puts his, his hands on it, and you see images appear there. Darkness. He grabs, he puts a finger on one side of this golden ring and turns. The ring does not move, but as he does this, it is as if watching something in reverse. And you see, in this darkness, a fake figure come quickly. And, and others in the room, hobgoblins, and he goes back far enough, fast enough that your eyes cannot capture. And he stops. The Corset Salutar requested that this be recorded for post-darity. and I'll tap the center and like rippling water on glass it ripples back and forth and it shows an image there is no sound which is great because I don't have to describe what P-P-P people are saying you know that you are viewing this through the monocle on Lunath Dawnseeker's face
3: mm-hmm.
1: you are High in the sky right now. Flying. More standing on solid air, if anything. You're speaking. Your hand gestures down. You see cracked stone. The deserts, we usually think of them as sand. And sandstorms and dune. Not always the case. To the far east, the ground is simply more desolate. It is rocky terrain you see that here, several chasms of all sorts cracking throughout. And within, when you are directly over one, and within it, you see sort of a jutting out structure of sandstone and rock. Massive. Castle, perhaps, but of simpler design. Reminds you more of where you fought Kibao mm-hmm. and than the such. Something lost to, to time. Most things in this world are and have been reappropriated. You see teeming figures milling about. And as your hand comes up and touches this side of your head, your vision zooms in pretty much via mm-hmm. monocle's power, which you're seeing through. And you see hobgoblins, and some of them, but many. Goblins, teeming about, most of them quite well armed. He looks back up at the figure with whom he's speaking, and it's weird. It's like seeing two different people standing directly there, standing in the in the air. His wizard cloak and robes flapping harshly in the, the wind. Staff held in in hand. And you realize the reason why it looks like there's two people overlaid on, on each other is because he is masking his visage. But the monocle is quite powerful. It can see through such things. You do not recognize the guys, but you do recognize the face behind. As, um, I had a brain fart as I was even thinking mm-hmm. about. Um, um, as Zellminster. Mm-hmm. you see white beard similarly flapping wizard hat um little strap clipped here because it is quite, quite windy and, and and the such um he says something you cannot understand you're having a conversation and Elminster goes and nods he looks um Don Seeker holds up a hand, looks over, and gestures for Elminster toward the place. And as one, both powerful mages raise their hands. You cannot see the look on Luneth Don Seeker's face because he is looking through his eyes. But you do see the look on Elminster's face, seem almost not disappointed is the right word, but maybe apprehensive the simplest emotion is simply concern as both hands raise mouths move in unison and hands are brought down and as Luneth looks up you see the clouds part as meteors four from each spell descend <laughs> Goblins by the hundreds obliterated in an instant. The castle itself, the pill the pillars, the half of that you see jutting out, <laughs> and blast to pieces. You see a figure. Very, very small. Almost actually more like a dot to you. Um, more than a mile away from where you are right now, but Lunette's monocle picks up as a signature you must keep tab tabs on. And you see a figure in white cloak and or a white robe and vestments. A human, actually, one that you would recognize, mm-hmm. um, but not one that you expect. I'll guarantee it. Do you remember Father Kestein from Haimat? I'm not sure if you ever even met him. I know you did. Um, the he was a Dorn priest. No, he was the priest of um, Orion. He was the one who was above. He is a human, big white, bushy beard. It's fine yeah. if you don't remember. You don't but know, you mean, mean, like you that never. one time we went to church, like the, the main priest at that church, yeah. in the that were... main one there. Yeah, because there, there, there was a temple to each of the sovereign hosts. Mm-hmm. So you met um, Sister Hifris mm-hmm. and Father Frieson <laughs> was the Boldre.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's who um, asked that's, that. okay. that's yeah.
1: Boldre one. So one of you guys met this person at some point in time. I think it actually was you because you were asking about details mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the dragon images and who the hosts are. All that sort of That's stuff why I called him the Dorn priest. Sorry. Right, gotcha. Yeah. G- gotcha. Mm-hmm. So vestments of gold and whatnot. Um, standing dominion mm-hmm. lifts his staff, very Gandalf style, and sticks. It. I mean, he is hundreds of feet away from this destruction. And then he's above, too. And the ground literally trembles. Whatever these meteors had not killed or destroyed definitely loosened, and this earthquake's bell goes off, and things crumble. You can hear, even from a mile away, the screams, the shrieks, the bells clanging. You see another figure over a um, um, Melvin with with simple armor on in his own strange, strange way go and you see a typhoon of water and wash through dumping it in by the gallons you see another one looking down his mouth open as he speaks words as roots grow erupting through things. Very, very uh, first and second Hokage against, against mm-hmm. the third mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. thing here. Powerful mages of likes. So you don't need to know all of them, but are doing work here. Feathers enacting spellcraft of The highest circles, not all ninth per se, but definitely seventh and eighth level circles, and multiple of them. A mere couple minutes pass, and the destruction, though you can't hear it, you can imagine it, you can't hear the screams, but you can imagine them at least, are its devastation. And then the figures, all that appear as blinking icons to Lunath's Monocle vision, so you see them. They begin to move in. Ascending is communicated. Luneth descends. Elminster, they is watching them above. Luneth will gesture. You can imagine him him saying, "The glory is yours to share, my old friend." Elminster says, "I'll watch. You see those words." That's enough we drop. Convening with his other three, four, five chumps. Two of them not with the spellcraft, but with great swords and an axe crackle with it with, with ump energy. They take the forefront here as they charge in. And hob goblins rising from the rubble look on and point and what? hands split. the figure that was just in front of you has teleported 30 feet forward and (laughs) the blood spray as Quentin Tarantino directed this scene as bloodshed (laughs) is wrought. Fireballs are casually flipped (laughs) incinerating others as these powerful seven individuals make their way down. When the Rubble is in a place where it cannot be dealt with. One of the pages simply says a few words, puts her hand on it, and it all (laughs) turns to dust. You notice a familiar type of thing on the back of the hand that you remember from a long, long time ago. Gemstones here and chains, something that you found originally in the Mind Flayer's First ones,
0: dead
1: remember the soul cast cast that could do great great things. He wouldn't have been there, way that's true. You weren't there, you weren't there, you weren't even there. I wouldn't recognize that, but a little thing it was a magical item that made a whole door disappear. It was crazy. Yeah, so they all this rubble just a clear, like, like um, doorway appears, and the dust just kind of blast past them and it settles down as they walk through. (sniffs) More death is dealt out, and you see even in here, plenty has been destroyed. I've got to mention something I'm very forgetful to today. There was not one Lunath Seeker and one Elminster up there. There were two of each you looking at a version of yourself. Elminster there are two of them, both disguised similarly you see through both. The monocle's so powerful you can actually see that they are no more than snow transmuted to another form. Mm-hmm. Several others down here are similarly. So there are seven individuals, six if you don't include include Elminster. But of those six there's probably more like nine walking in. Spells are cast. Chain lightning rips through three strong bugbear warriors that were hidden amongst these shadows as why would they not be? That's what they're good at is stealthing and bonking hard. Mm -hmm. But do you think mere darkness could stop the power of this monocle? No. Enough casual hold of a hand and all three of them turn to blood and ash smeared walls. This goes on for ten minutes or so. Spellcasters letting their simulacrum use most of their spellcraft conserving some of their own but this is a victory lap in some ways. It's also a way to finish the the job. As they descend through they ultimately reach a corridor. Another (laughs) to get, get through the bubble and whatnot and they step into a large chamber that appears to be untouched by all the madness that happened. So within it is darkness, but the monocle sees all as there are several pillars hoisting it up. This is a place of prayer, it would seem. There are benches. There is an altar. You don't see any clear iconography here. But very suddenly, all the simulacrums vanish. The magical items and trinkets on the wizards and fighters here. The crackling axe looks as mundane as a freshly forged one would be. They look at each other confused. The monocle still works, though. But you can see almost the panic in Luneth's hands as he looks at the rings on his, his hands, each of them a magical trinket that he has collected over hundreds of years that are now just bling, bling. Through a doorway that, that opens up suddenly, boom, goblins charge in, swords and axes, scythes, battle the two warriors, may not have magical weapons, but they do have power all the, the, the same. One of them with the kat- kat- katana of, of, of sorts that looked like starlight when, when, he, when he drew it. His still functions as well. Some other ones have magical items that do seem to function. All. Every other vestige of magic is no more here. One with the white, uh, the elven figure, holds, holds out, his hand does hand motions, holds them out, and nothing. Then, a familiar figure emerges. As the crow steps in. Mm -hmm. He's smiling. He frowns. Lunette looks at him. And Luneth, having not cast a single spell since this anti-magic something happened here, sees this enemy and sees what is indeed around his neck and does a look through the monocle and a yellow beam goes straight out to anti-magic zone. And the crow looks almost surprised. Holds up a hand. <laughs> you know, it looks like it would go right through the hand, right through him, but instead you see a small orb of darkness appear there. Uneth looks at the uh, the others who are the fighting against the hop- go- goblins is not going entirely on, well. They don't have magical weapons the likes of which you, some of your folks, have brought. Those that still work are only maybe a small handful. The crow bursts into motion. Motion that you've seen before. As his fists are all he needs in his speed. As he stuns and then will flip and break the arms and punch in the neck three, four, five times to the point where the neck is almost flattened. Essentially decapitation by punching.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He moves on, trips, grabs, flings at a wall immediately turns the course of this battle the door the way that they came from is sealed shut and nobody has the magics to open it sometimes the magic returns and then they do something and then it goes away again something is disrupting magic here Luneth because a monocle can see on the far side of the room facing them there is a hole in the wall behind the altar, and he sees a large, red eye, bloodshot capillaries through it, looking at them. He tries another blast from the monocle, and the crow grabs his face, turning at the last second, so the wall throws him at a pillar. Monocle falls for a moment. You're just seeing dangling and then it gets put back up. The crow steps over saying something. Smile on his face. The meth says something back and the crow says, if you wish. And we'll flick a finger and the red eye closes. Magic returns. Luneth. He tries to teleport. (laughs) Counterspelled. He tries to counterspell the counterspell itself. Another figure counterspells that. It is a flurry. Suddenly, of this this action. Luneth brings a lightning bolt to bear. (laughs) The crow takes it. (laughs) You see a scroll circling around him. A second one. A third one. Mm -hmm. Around that, turning in other ways. One is turned to stone entirely. One is head (laughs) Lunath brings to bear another mighty mag- magical spell. <sighs> Breathing onto his hand, a rock in his hand of glittering blue, and he chucks it. <clears throat> and the crow catches it. It explodes. <clears throat> Ice everywhere. Lunath himself. But before the shards can even reach him, it gone into a little pinprick. Punch. If you see a fist come. He <laughs> holds the monocle, Looks, looks at it and says, "He trans, trans, translates, reading the lips. An artifact. This will be useful." last thing you see from the monocle before it is ripped from Luneth, and the attunement is severed, is the crow lifting a foot and kicking Luneth Donsigrate in the face. The reason why the gold loop detaches is because he kicks him hard enough that he flies into the wall. The moment that that connection is broken, the attunement is over. And that is the last point you see. Vision comes back to normal. The natural light in the room, the starlight and whatnot, fades. His eyes cease the glow, glowing. The symbols all fade. One of them taps a finger, with several torches light to give this room a comfortable light as well. They look at each other, almost unsure of what to say. The elder says, We are not having luck keeping Korasalotar our way. No. Things like not. Moon Seeker says, This was a great. figure says. It is. But look at what we've done. Those few destroyed their base. The snake's head may be be there, but the den of vipers has been crushed underfoot. We have had our losses, yes, but look at what they had. That was thousands. Thousands. Another one says thousands that were just sitting in their headquarters. Chatter begins to fly. What was causing that? Why couldn't they use their spellcraft? Well, it must be um, anti-magic. Well, why were some able to do it? Those items must have been artifacts, as this man will explain. The monocle that Luneth Dawnseeker wore is called, was called the Eye of Vavorion. It is considered something that the um, Orion himself wore. It is a very powerful artifact. And magical items of such power are not subject to zones of, of um, magic. they look at you and the elder says probably good for you to communicate this to your queen yeah they were aware of the plants more so than most of us here were in fact he nods over at the um, seer save for it this year. Illustrile says all the good that they could have done in the war. And that Gnomish fellow once again says, look at the good that they, they, they did here. Debates amongst powerful people in a room. Moonseeker gestures for you and kind of nods toward the door like there's no more purpose for us to be here. This is, information has just come in. The recording is merely a few hours old. hours. Yes. And they, uh, she will guide you out unless you wish to say anything to these folk who have basically have already forgotten that you're even there.
0: Forces were lost on both sides this day. But I would not hold the numbers too much in account. This enemy is conscripting forces, ancient beings, far beyond any hobgoblin. goblin. They are still quite a powerful force to
1: be reckoned with, even without Illustrial Dwalen says, Corselotar was quite fond of saying that this war would not be won by armies but by a few powerful men and women. That's why he acted the way that he did. If he had been successful, we would be praising him. I fear that he was correct, that it will be won by a few powerful individuals. And if that's the case, we will need all the help we can get. It's almost like two wars will be fought. One between those with great power, responsibility, Spider-Man, and those who need to defend our borders and our cities. Such as they'll nod to, to you send you off you and Moonseeker will have to depart and she'll uh, slowly walk the path away that's concerning
0: alarming I'd say I perhaps should have warned Don't Moonseeker that hubris might be his undoing previous, Not a similar fate.
1: <sighs> Do you still plan on going to see the Katreva? Or the Venia? I think you should. Oh. Details of this milk can be said at another time. I know expediency is important. Perhaps I'm speaking out of my fondness for you rather than what's practical. But yeah. Whichever path you decide to, to choose, I'm sure it will involve a tree. Yeah. Uh, I'll
0: convey with my resources my people in the city and then decide on a course of action. But I'll at least tell them To an extent, and then the Consulata is no more.
1: She leads you to a tree—a tree that is within the city technically, but quite near the outskirts of it. A very large, strong, powerful tree. In these fall. Months, its leaves are turning orange and red, vibrant colors, though some are still green, holding out. The roots of this tree are deep and sometimes pop up as such. This tree, as she explains to you, that this tree has been touched by thousands of elephant hands for good luck and fortune, and oftentimes used as an a- anchor point for transport via plants within the city. It is called the tree of mourning. That is the easiest way I can make the intentional pun here. Not pun is perhaps the wrong, wrong word. It's not, not a pun. It is a word. Um, there's a word I to look for. But it is both a tree of mourning and a tree of mourning. Mm-hmm. It is surrounded by thousands of stones of various sizes and colors and shapes, all spread out so few are touching. It's almost like really poor cobblestone work, mm-hmm. um, but instead of there being <clears throat> grout or whatnot, it's just grass um, growing here. There are no symbols, no words etched on any of these stones, no names or distinctions on them. But you can see people... Kind of kneeling, walking through them. You can see some on the very outskirts placing new stones, digging out a little bit and placing a stone there. circle explain, picking up the conversation before you were so really interrupted by this guy's news story, that this is sort of a graveyard, sort of a cemetery, but not really. It's a place of remembrance. It is a place of morning. If you find a stone that is important to you, this would be a place you could lay it. We do not discriminate here about what creed, what race. It is a private affair in a public space. Birds are chirping as the sun is streaming. You can almost forget the horrors that you just saw and the implications of it. She goes on to just talk to you, help you get your mind on things back on track. She sees that that was difficult news to accept when you already came in a difficult time. She kind of tells you just a story just about how it is said the first druids were the original protectors of not only nature, but the world itself, everything within it. The oldest magics flowed through them. Long before arcane equations were scraped on the first scraps of parchment, long before man or elf even strode these lands, our most ancient druidic brethren breathed miracles born by the raw energy of the earth, sky, sea, and sun. And likewise did they need to fight nature as much as shepherd But as much as the primordial elementals were of, of nature, they were outsiders to this place, dangerous and needed to be eradicated, banished, sealed. The trees know the history of this world, she says. As you now reach the tree, and she puts a fond hand on the bark where you see many other hands have worn it over time. The trees know the history of the world. And they have been referred to as the secret roadway of the, the Druid, opening only for those who have proven themselves among the path. In modern times, true Druids are rarer than ever, and those who can walk the secret paths are far fewer even. Consider yourself one of the people most deserved of praise in the entire world, Marlin. According to that very world in which we all live. Because you can walk this pathway. The trees wouldn't let you do that if you were. She says, but that praise comes with the price of service. You are not a king. You are a steward of all that is natural. She will let go of the girl's hand whose name is Kana and she will um, embrace you. Her long silvery gray hair draping over your shoulders. As she touches her cheek to her own, says, I am proud of you. I know you know that deep down. And she looks back and says, whatever's up here, she pokes your forehead. Cannot get in the way of what's here. She touches your heart. Do whatever you think is best. Whether that's going back to Ceremonia or continuing your path to be with the Ketreva and Convivabania for a time, spend some time here if you wish. This tree has seen many a druid walk through it. I think it would be an honor for it to have you step through its doors.
0: It feels a little bit like overconflating, conflating but you know?
1: I'm over three hundred years old, Roman. I can conflate when I please. Of course. I should get back. Of
0: course. Thank you for taking the time to meet with me. It is always a pleasure and an honor.
1: Same. She'll put her hand on the deep tree, cast a spell, for her and Kana walk through before.
0: do, Perhaps yeah. I will perhaps walk around to the other side of the tree since I know that Anaxoria won't be paying attention to the quill at this hour. And I will lean against it and meditate on it for a while. Upon what I just saw, upon the memories of Norah's childhood, upon the memories of the fight that this all had with the grill, mm-hmm. and just taking this place that is
1: holy in its own right.
0: Okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: When eventually your meditations and thoughts come mm-hmm. to an end, what will you do? No bothers you here. You sit there right by the tree. Others come and go. Some laugh, children laugh as others cry. It is peace in its own mm-hmm. way. And you, in your elephant form, I assume you would yeah guys yourself mm-hmm. feel at home here, even if you are in disguise. Mm-hmm. probably go check on a...
0: try to distract myself by seeing what kind of magic shumps they have, to see if there's anything of any
1: use here. Mm-hmm. And then... Probably not anything you would find particularly useful at your current levels of no, I assume power. and <coughs> it's kind of a way to
0: distract himself yeah, right. and then when he thinks that perhaps it's late enough in the evening he'll write to Anaxoria and say basically exactly the things that I said like tell the queen the joint effort failed or that the joint effort met a extreme devastation on both sides of Lutar was lost
1: Um, yeah. we'll, we'll say that you, you hear the switching. I wouldn't be
2: in my apartment mm-hmm. late at night so that would make sense
1: mm-hmm. what would you reapply you don't have to write down the words we'll just be loosey goosey with it say okay
2: although I hated that fucker I'm sad to see him go <laughs> <laughs> he had immense power I will let El Snow please go be with your people you've earned it If you come back, I will kill you. <laughs> she's, way, stronger no yeah, she's stronger than me now. Yeah, that's stronger than
0: me now. No one would then um, go back to that tree, tree of morning, and would
1: step through. And as you reach your hand to the tree, of morning, place your hand upon it. Staff held in the other hand. Knowing it's going to be probably a couple weeks before they're done making the, making the shield. It mm-hmm. is difficult to forward, but that's why it's so damn strong. So yeah. they didn't give you an exact time. Elves, remember, elves in time, they're like, oh, it'll be done in a snap. Vignata, vignata, Four vignata. months later. <laughs> it won't be that long. It'll be like a couple weeks, so it's not like a huge sure. thing. It's just probably post-water plane this one. Yep. Whatever. Whatever the happened. hell happens next. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you put your hands... On the tree, hearing the birds and the wind, the chill air, staff in hand, you cast your spell to transport. Whenever you do this, Norman, you always connect yourself. You f- almost feel like a pulse, like an electrical signal through a neuron as you go into the tree, down to the network of all of the trees that you, that you know of the secret pathway of the Druids. When you do it on this tree after your long meditations and what you've been thinking on, pondering on lately all those same things happen in, a, in an instant. This is not a slow thing. This is all in an instant dumped in, into you. There is that where do you want to go? And then there's more there's another the number of trees that you have contacted that you could pass through is a almost a pathetic attempt at what Nathal himself had done in his many hundreds of years live as you suddenly feel all of the tree connections that Nathal had ever made in his entire lifetime, an incredible, vast network that, Norwin, despite your best efforts, have barely begun yourself. In this instant, you understand this implicitly. One tree, one destination, far, far away, is the strongest, not in a magical sense, not in a fate or destiny sense, but a purely emotional response in your chest. You feel laughter on your your lips. You feel tears in your eyes. Emotion wells within you in this compressed point in time and space. And you know that you can walk through this tree and walk up whatever tree that is that's giving you such an odd emotional response. Or you can go to the one that you're planning on going to. You do not know what this is. You do not know if this is born from this tree, this moment. But you do have Crossroads here, a fork in the hidden roadway, and there's a, year, a yearning, a familiarity, but what you think and what you feel are two different things, Yo. Where do you go?
0: Let's mm. even meditate on that for a bit.
1: You do still have, well you'll have one more spell slot that you could use to return, yes? Yeah.
0: Okay. Because then I wouldn't...
1: You may be giving up the chance to see your old friends. You yeah. may be gaining a chance at something completely new. Yeah.
0: I think I'll... Being swept up in the emotion, I think I'll go with it. let we'll see what happens. Okay.
3: Annie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought that tonight be some controlled chaos. Mm.
3: Annie.
1: You inform Elspeth of this information. Presumably, but at least. Eklund is quite concerned. Of course, everybody is. They keep it quite secret, because after all, this was not meant to be a thing that everybody knew about. The hope was that the war would simply be over and done. What Elspeth's immediate concern is, naturally, is
2: retaliation.
1: What does this mean? If he was sending meteors from the sky at our villages and hamlets and city centers for stepping across the border, what will this it is a dangerous time for all Aethon will tell you that uh, he <coughs> you know Aethon has not had a day out of the castle much less the palace in some time and you also know if he does take a, a, a night out it surely would not be for a vendor, as much as he deserves it he does ask you, would you be able to stay in the castle tonight?
2: Absolutely, I have a dog sitter on staff now.
1: Good. Uh, <laughs> that's why she wanted to be a I have <laughs> people I should meet, meet and things to discuss.
2: Absolutely, I will be here.
1: Okay. He will exit. We find you in your office looking through paperwork. Um, jotting down some things, transcribing some notes from several conversations debating where we move these pieces or these pieces here but those are more military things I dealing with a lot of all the different districts and the chancellors of the councils of those districts, districts we need more X we need more Y You know, <coughs> um, which is very very realistic mm-hmm. and so you're looking upon that <coughs> um, you put us back to bed. Um, not being there. As you exit, um, the mage will put his hand on the door and cast Arcane Lock. Uh, you to it. see a glyph appear there as you return to your, your office to do more work. You eventually get up. Go get some wine. Um, just get the blood rushing through, through your feet. Also, it just feels good to actively look around for stuff in this stuffy castle where it's late enough now at night that not many people are out and about. Guards, of course, serve servants naturally, but in general, it's not a hustle and bustle sort of place. Um, you see I, you see Eklund walking in the whole hallway toward toward you but to the side allowing you to pass by each other and he just he gives a a, a, a smile God, to, to you as he continues on you go around check with some some folks Dot and you um... <laughs> footsteps that's him There is a moment when you return to your office, throwing another log on the fire and a blanket over your door, over the lap. Despite all the insulation, on the castle, the castle, and then a room and all that stuff, it is to still get quite chilled. And there is a sending in your head <coughs> from one. says did you just go in to Elspeth's bedroom my alarm was tr- triggered if you didn't get in there now because you know that only you and he have a key
2: I did not I'm on my way meet you there
1: okay I will you know that you can teleport there if you have the dimension door your office is within 500 feet if you have would dimension door but right there you appear just within the doorway. Eklund is standing there. Just within the doorway. You appear next to him, pretty much. Five feet next to him. It has a scroll out, and the words on it. What do you say? Or do?
2: I read the scroll.
1: It is arcane in nature. And just then, you see Elspeth lean up out of bed, her blonde, ha- her b- b- blonde hair a bit disheveled, but still nice, ring- ringlets and such. And she looks and says, What do you two? As silence <laughs> fills this space, her heart thumps in your ears.
2: I would lunge forward and grab her the moment it go silent.
1: Okay, roll initiative.
2: Plus, that is 25.
1: 25, okay. You lunge for her. you. The moment that silence you run and jump toward the bed. You will not be able to teleport out the silence. What do you what do you do as your action, as you first act and you reach her on the bed? I
2: don't think I can even dimension door. No. Divine purple? I mean, I would probably. Cover her with my body or try to get her out. I mean I would try to perceive if anyone else is in the room first.
1: Okay. I'll make a perception check. That is a good thing to to do here.
2: That's a bad one. Um, perception, that will be nine. Well yeah. fourteen
1: with Icky. I think Icky could be be there. You don't see anybody else in the room, just a small table. Of Ar- armoire, wardrobe, what, what, not there. You kind of just put yourself in front of of, of Speth being the one to act first, which may save her life, may not. As Eglon drops the scroll and just, and he grabs his sword, puts his hand on it, looks at you. Gobbo's eyes look exactly like him but the intent behind them is not your echoing. As he dashes forward, forward, (laughs) he pushes a button on the side of his sword, and you hear a twing of springs going. As the sword is not a sword, it is a dagger, merely this big. The springs just, (laughs) pling, bouncing out. But as he leaps toward you and pushes that, (laughs) it pushes His hand in a unbelievably fast arc right at your neck this trick can only be done once because the springs pop 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 out it does give him an advantage 15 change will hit Mm -hmm. Um, it also gives him sneak attack because because he has an advantage on this Um, it's not a crit though so you're probably still alive. You take 56 points of damage. This has to suck. As <coughs> he... On for you, you you're just like... You just say that, but nothing comes out as he... Appears at your neck. You duck your head, not, not obstructing her. His dagger hits your horn and shears it straight off. Flies as if in slow motion. As his hand comes all the way around and it's like almost painfully pulling at his side, he lets go of that dagger. He will grab a second one from behind his cloak and take a slash at you as he went and take a slash at you. This one coated in poison. No advantage on this one. Natural two, as he slashes with the second second one, a more curved, kukri style, dripping with purple pen. You see this coming. How do you dodge this one?
2: I, with Elspeth behind me, shove her head down and go down myself. Okay,
1: having one Mm -hmm. horn. The horn itself breaking off does not hurt you. It feels very weird, but what does hurt you is the amount of your neck whiplash as mm-hmm. you lay out. That took a tremendous amount of force. That's why you took so much damage. That would have broke a lesser person's neck easily. Mm-hmm. As this comes, you you just throw yourself on top of her and the blade <laughs> goes over top. You can go. Um. Let me check
2: something real quick.
1: It's tough.
0: It's tough. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Still loud enough for the twang of the springs.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> thought fast it was. It makes it even stranger. Yeah. <laughs> the springs are enchanted to almost no twang. It makes sense. It makes sense. So much
0: shit is happening. I'm like shaking the I <laughs>
2: <laughs> Then I would. is true, let me try, let me see. Yeah. I would, and a rainbow, hypnotic pattern.
1: Oh, it's not a. Uh... somatic material. Oh, I-, I guess you to have you that would be your voice. material would be your, your love liar go on your back, so easy enough. Even though there's no sound, it is the material. As you strum and you kind of weave those those vibrant rainbow colors here. He looks at you, flipping it around. The, the, the poison still on to come down at you and you <coughs> throw it out directly to him. Uh, does not have advantage on, on this for once. Oh, that girl. Too bad he Just made like it. Bat, <laughs> you. In, in. You can see his hand has the momentum to come to, 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 down, to, to come down at, at you. You just move your leg, and the kukri goes <laughs> into the bed, right, right there. As his hand just his eyes, wall. Does the
2: sound come back?
1: Uh, no, because a ring on his his hand flickers and shatters. <clears throat> when it does that, your spell. Gone. And his eyes blinks blinks. Basically like a delayed dispel magic sort of thing. Or like like a contingency Ten- ring dispel magic sort of thing. If this then th- th- this mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. He will then flip his kukri over around and stab you with with it. Natural thirteen. We'll dab. Uh, let's do half da- damage on the poison for you. Um, yes, so me. this will be another, um, it's not a sneak attack on this one, so it's just going to be an average. We'll do half of the poison damage, so 29 points of damage total to you. Is it something that you could normally have a saving throw against? Yes, I'm so sorry. Yes, make a It could potentially be a quarter poison. then. Yeah,
0: at advantage because it's poison. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Nineteen.
1: Yes, nineteen. You'll do this. So instead, that would be nine from his uh, seven from his strike, and then the other I said twenty-nine. Mm-hmm. So twenty-two was the poison, only eleven. That so 7, 11, 18. Thank you for mm-hmm. calling me on that. I forgot about that. Thank you. And amount of damage to you as he, he does turn it and slash you, drops that kukri, flips the scabbard around, and grabs the back of it, the bottom of it, where another button is. It's like having daggers yay big and a sword as you can have two of them. Mm-hmm. As he he says, move. He's looking past you. He's going to try to strike Elspeth with this. Since you are putting yourself in her way, I will give him disadvantage on the strike. Okay, If he still beats your AC, then he will hit her. If he does not beat your AC, he will hit you. There is no other way around this. Unless he rolls literally less than a 10, then he won't hit, 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 hit. And anyway then he'd even miss her. Stuski hit him eventually again and all of the bells and whistles. 15 plus stuff would be yours, you see?
3: mm mm-hmm.
1: As he hits the button, <laughs> the force, his, his elbow strikes you in the ribs. <clears throat> you feel one crack a bit. As he uses the momentum, not only to shove you out of the way, but slash. And you can't even hear the scream or the splatter of blood.
0: Would that be... You said it had a disadvantage. He had the advantage from the, I assume, the second dagger trick. Would it just be a straight roll, then? Uh, that's true.
1: That is true. That is true. 12 stuff, don't. yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for calling on that. Tried. No You turn, mm-hmm. and you see a cut from here, her head lolling as it falls. Make a quick perception check for me. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: fifteen, nineteen. Nineteen. Bad news is this girl is dead. If there's a silver lining, it's not Elspeth. It looks like like her, but it's not her. No magic. It's like a, a look-alike sort of thing here as there's no sound here but you see as he does not see this but you see from one eye this and your eye flickers this way and you see from the the wardrobe the door opens up and you see the back of the wardrobe is also opened up to a whole separate small room there that barely contains a bed and a nightstand and you see Elspeth with that wand that was her mother's and she has been practicing with and she looks Furious and turns, shocked, sees you horn, still slowly falling and it just hits the ground and she points it. And silence as it may be, a blast of radiant light <coughs> hits the figure, <coughs> throws him into the, the wall. Six, silence, it's gone because still maintains a concentration. All of a sudden, you can hear again as Elspeth just looks at you. And it's like, kill him! Just sick him! Kill him! (laughs) sort of thing. Her wand pointed at the figure, channeling more of its divine power through. What do you do? Okay. Backhand him. Another dimension. Yeah. Bye. Mm -hmm. (its) You backhand him. And. ( vitaminsígen) Gone. What happened?
2: Who is that?
1: I don't know. She scrambles out. She's in her nightgown, bare feet, pattering across the rug and the stone. She goes, Oh my god. Oh my god. Gods, as yeah, the girl is, her head has a wall and she's flunked back. Blood is pulsing, pulsing, pulsing.
2: And she's outright dead. Not like.
1: No. Yeah. That yeah. was four, fifty-six points of damage you took. Her HP was a well, grand It, it totally wouldn't have been a sneak attack, attack. though, because it was a straight roll. Ooh, that. Yeah, she's. I
3: <laughs> <laughs> was
1: gonna say she's her commuter, H- HP is dead. Four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's dead. It You can't do more than eight <laughs> damage four,
0: out a sneak attack. The guard.
1: You no, fling open the door, which is only possible from this side because the arcane board. So you grab the knob and push it open, and it does shatter the arcane lock. As you open it up, the guards are all there. They're looking at the door, having literally only heard the last kill him! And the word that you said as you smacked, and... Strangely, springs for some reason. <laughs> and they're looking shocked. And then they... Yeah, well, what do you say?
2: An assassin in the queen's bedroom, and you allowed this to happen. Yeah. And then I will turn around and say, Elspeth, go back into hiding. Now.
1: She will flick her her wand at you and a uh, column of light will appear around you and give you, uh, she'll use all three of her remaining charges to give you 30 HP back. And she says right, right, and then goes and closes the, the wardrobe and closes another thing to be here some locks going on. Those that were in here look as equally surprised as you were that the Queen was there. They're, they're confused as far enough. It seems like they did not know that Elspeth was sleeping there, and this was a look, 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 any more than you knew to that. But very likely, they, and they explained it, that nobody came through here at all. Very likely, the assassin got in the same that you did—a teleportation of sorts. The wizard goes on to say that there's a there's a there's a fucking um glyph of boarding here that should capture. So, 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 so and so with a whole person spell. But if he had one ring, he may have had two.
2: Have you seen Eklund at all? And I will do ascending and say, Eklund, are you coming?
1: <laughs> As the figure reappears, let's just say he is slashed, beaten, bamboozled, and captured wholeheartedly. However, he is a slippery individual. Very slippery. He is very near escaping several times to the point where they're like basically, fuck trying to restrain him, slit his neck. And the swords are already drawn, some discarded to try to grapple him. He is slick. Let's just say he's lubed up in a sense. Mm -hmm. And he is not to be captured. Your only choice here is to, he will slip out of any manacles. You literally see the sheen on him now, similar to what you've seen on Raphael before. Do you have any way to restrain this figure in a more permanent sense? Otherwise, they will kill him, which is not the worst thing.
2: I would do a resistible dance on
1: Uh, yes. Even with that, that does work, I believe, because uh, freedom of movement says your speed cannot be reduced, Mm -hmm. or a resistible dance makes you use use your speed Yes, in the similar way that hypnotic pattern says your speed is zero. It's not actually a reduction of speed, strangely enough. Reduction Mm -hmm. of speed are things that say your speed is reduced by max. That's just saying your speed is zero. This is saying (laughs) your speed is zero. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's not a reduction, it is a replacement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. New so, as you do this, you make it much easier for them to. Because it lasts a minute, I mm-hmm. believe, what they He is handily killed with them. Because any method of shackling him, he just slips out of. And they very much fear that if. When your spell runs out, he will simply be gone. One more teleport is all it would take. He actually does try once. Has a scroll that he pulls, pulls out, opens it up, reads a single word. The only reason it doesn't work is because the wizard chum, who is one of Elspeth's guards, counterspells it.
2: Do I get anything back from my sending?
1: Yes. Okay. Eklund would say, "I'm just grabbing things because as you were sending, he appeared." Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. it only lasts a minute. Um. Uh, yes, Eklund is on his way back as fast as possibly he's tired with the <laughs> they kill him you all kill him swords plenty go into guts hack through his neck he falls legs still twi- twitching from your, your dance as Algus plunges a sword through his chest pinning him to the ground through his very heart I know we would rather kept him alive and question him but
2: I can question him this way
1: um, Eklund would have told told you he's still probably 20 minutes out. This all happened so fast. The city's a big place. Wherever, wherever he was, as fast as Eklund can get there, he's still 20 minutes out.
2: And who checked that it was Eklund coming into the castle again?
1: We'll do a full investigation.
2: I expect their name on my desk by morning. This was an oversight. This is unexcusable. They can move to Lower Dura for all I care.
1: <coughs> well, it was a tibble, so I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's an opening so in, yeah. yeah. Uh. I could just expect <coughs> this at this point. Eklund does return, looking. just strong as a fuck. Seeing the bloodshed from two dead bodies in the bedroom. The guards fill him in. He's actually furious because he is being accosted at the front door. Like, how do we know that you're actually you? And he's like, it's fucking me! Like, I did this to you! It's very, like, like a whole thing. When he finally does come, he's got guards surrounding him. He's actually in shackles. They only agreed to let him through if he was wearing shackles behind his, his back. His wand, his sword removed, his boot dagger removed. He doesn't care. He just is like, this is fucking, what the fuck's happening here? Comes up, sees you. You fill him in on everything. He uh, has everybody else moving just you and him in the be- bedroom. Elspeth does come out. Oh. Um, he reveals that <laughs> he reveals that this subterfuge here is something that literally only Elspeth and him knew about. The fact that there was a glyph of boarding here, everybody knows that. that. The fact that there's a door with an arcane board on it, or um glyph of... Arcane, arcane lock, arcane lock, arcane. arcane, arcane um, thanks, new Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the fact that more mundane methods can still be the best, simple non dissemination of information. That room has been there for forever. That's what it's meant to panic room for royalty to escape to.
2: So what are we going to do now? Now that more people know about that?
1: Move it to it. A different room. I don't know. You mentioned to me something a while ago about a safe place. Yeah, I have a safe house. Yes. Well, firstly, we can set up whatever room we move her to to prevent teleportation in and in and out.
0: That wasn't done ready. <laughs>
1: It wasn't done partially intentionally, we'll tell you. Mm-hmm. As dangerous as it is, somebody who could... You can't teleport into the palace. Once you're in the palace, teleportation is free game, as long as you don't leave really, really the walls. If somebody entered here, the Glyph of Forty would hopefully trap them. The alarm spell, Eklund's always here. He'd come through, i am killed you, Yay! Another assassin bites the dust, and we get some information, right? That's right. It's mm-hmm. almost he won't use the word bait, bait but, you, <laughs> but you hung up with her enough to know it's being bait. <laughs> it. This poor girl is it is literally um, an orphan from Middle North Edge, where where uh, uh, this is apartment is not the same district, um, but. She has lived a very cloister, a very secluded life in the castle here, basically secret to everyone. Um, and she was part of whatever she wanted, but she knew her job was when Elspeth goes to bed and you and Eklund leave leave the room. Elspeth goes into the little place. She comes out and they swap spots, and no magic obscures her because anybody who comes in with magical sight. They don't want to trigger that. Oh, d- dis- disguise self, I'm, um, um, out. Oh. Mm-hmm. Purely just something that looked similar enough. Eklund is unsure if we should revive her.
2: It'd be difficult to find another lookalike.
1: It would be, I just don't know if that trick has of course, but we did kill this assassin. The others can be sworn to some degree of secrecy. She deserves a life, but the problem is the secrets she knows can never leave. You see, I would love—he says to you—he would love nothing more than to have one of the clerics raised dead on her. And then give her a thousand platinum coins and send her off to Heimat to live the rest of her life in luxury. But you can't. Modifying her memory, that only does ten minute chunks. It, she simply knows too much.
2: The only reason we bring her back
1: is to be paid again. And that's exactly why he's saying this is a hard decision to make. She just died. The terror that she probably felt to bring her back and say, you're ready to do it all over again. Maybe too much to add. It may be crueler than letting her rest. You can think on this. You have 10 days. Actually, you have infinite time because gentle repose is a first little spell. It's easy enough for any ritual to be And a ritual. To, to, and a ritual. <laughs> so, you have essentially, in the court, so you have essentially infinite time to make this decision but it would be wise to make it sooner rather than a little later for obvious reasons. Yes.
2: Why does he look like you?
1: Uh, it is a mask and makeup, you would find. As they smudge off and stuff, it is a plastic, very much like what you've seen on Ucarus done. It is a normal, mundane mask. The sword on his hip, despite the fact that it was clearly a, dag- a fancy dagger with spring, that that is busted now. Once you use it once, it's like not, not, not usable anymore. This was meant to be a one-and-done thing, but everything he's wearing is like an exact replica of what Elk Eklund wears. The only possible hint that you would have possibly had was his bit of a smile and nod toward you in the hallway. It was a bit...
2: Knew you wouldn't have smiled at me. Mm.
1: I literally said that, thinking you might go, that's a bit strange. Yeah, He's back so sister so than I thought. He's smiled at me. He's a bit out of character, but why would you think that? No fault of yours. In the end, all is... could be far worse. Your horn can be regrown, you know, by your chum. But until then, you could go to the Panaceum and demand, "I want this horn re- regrown, stat, or the the, the 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 ring that you got that earth, earth, probably has a go call." So it's not not a permanent disfigurement by any means, but it is something that will be a stark reminder for you until it grows back via whatever means you wish. The ring probably make a lot more sense. Um, that this was a close close call, probably for you too. Yeah, it
2: was under thirty if that second one had
1: hit you i would have been done could have a very different scenario mm. but this guy knew what he was doing he had some items he had some some scrolls he had a thing to to kill you can only imagine the guard level rising even more you're right there was a degree of compl- complacency some malfeasance here, in the sense that Eklund is a trusted figure. He doesn't leave often. When he d- does, and then he c- comes back, he was looked at. Like, Are you really you? And of course, of course, I, I am. In um, his his voice and everything. So it was. Uh, they'll need to look carefully upon everyone. And you know that uh, staying in the castle maybe something that you'd want to, to do despite your brand new condo and your everything Everything's like, like that. The threats of the world are still very much real and very close to home. Speak with Dead is eventually cast upon him. He will not answer anything. You cannot compel the spirit to answer. He doesn't. No matter what you look like, you have no idea what to even look look like, he does not answer anything. He doesn't make any claims to the fear fear. He is a consummate professional, even in death. That's it. Unfortunately, it is a thread that you can think of how you might want to tug it in some other way. But he, I'm just letting you know, the first time that you try that, you try it, 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 it nothing.
2: I would try it as Master Fiorelin.
1: No recollection. No nothing at all. It does not make any difference whatsoever. He's not even. He's not even an, an elf or How half elf? He's a scummy human. They're the worst. <laughs> so now that tell me? brings us <laughs> <laughs> to the end of this control chaos night session here, where news is give given on, on all fronts. You all will have plenty to share amongst each other in time. Fortunately, we've arpeed all this, so we can just say, "I tell them blah," mm-hmm. I tell and. Them. Ah. Mm-hmm. as you step through the tree into a lovely fall forest birch trees and the such blue orbs hanging tangled roots and vines amongst young trees you see a stone circle before you with runes great stone archway that comes over and a second one that comes over there's almost like doorways that go nowhere and you have a moment of recollection as this does look familiar to you do you know of what I'm referring to?
0: is it in Sanctum? It is indeed. Is yes, Druid Grove, I should say. But
1: more specifically, does this look familiar to you?
0: Ah oh, shit, I'm going that right here!
1: There is, now that you've stepped through it, you can see this is very much the same con- construction yeah. as what is under the dome of the Stario Lady.
3: What is that bullshit, man?
1: <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we will end tonight's session. Ah shit! Huh, story sessions are just so boring. you are the starry lady too yeah. you're everybody Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> yes yes <laughs>
0: uh, I
3: mean that's how Elf's